They say everyone has a book inside them, but not everyone gets that book out of their head and onto the page. There's so much to consider. Plot, characters, prose, and that's before we even get to publishing. If you're a new storyteller who's feeling a little out of their depth, you're in the right place. This is the podcast that wipes away the overwhelm for newbie writers by taking it one piece at a time. So pick up your pen and get ready to have fun. Let's start writing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Start Writing. I'm your host, author, editor, and book coach, Connie B. Dowell. And today's episode is especially for the kid-lit writers among you, um, those who are writing or are curious about writing children's or young adult books. So I work with a lot of children's and young adult books as a freelance editor and a book coach, and kid-lit has been very close to my heart since before I ever started publishing, since like the very beginning of wanting to be a writer. And there are some issues that I see pop up again and again with new children's book writers um, that to me are like little red flags that it's time to do more research on children's and young adult books. And so I'm going to go over some of these today. It's okay if you start to identify these in your own work, um, but it just is an indicator of it's time to do more reading of recent excellent children's and young adult books to get a sense of the marketplace, the expectations, and how to write a fantastic children's book. So the first thing that I do seem to notice over and over again is that I will have a, this often happens more at the younger end of the spectrum, but sometimes at the older end, but I will have someone who thinks that they maybe are ready to publish their children's book and want me to edit it, but also to tell them what age group it's for. And that's a little bit of a red flag. They're often saying something like, which age group should this I market this for? Or alternatively, does the length suit this age group? Is this long enough for this age group? Is this too long for this age group? Um, are the words too much for this age group? And so all of those are little red flags that maybe it's, you know, and I can always give my feedback on this point, but there are little red flags that maybe you've not been reading enough children's books. Um, so there are, there is a distinction within children's books um, based on the age group of the of the children who are reading. So there are at the beginning there are there are picture books. Um, even before that, there are board books that like babies and toddlers have that they're they're very short. They're made of cardboard, hence board books. Um, and those are usually pretty straightforward. People don't get those confused. But people sometimes are confused whether something is a picture book, which is a book, they're typically about 32 pages, um, heavily illustrated, and they have a dual audience. The dual audience being a child and an adult reading together. And 
that is a different sort of beast than, say, even an easy reader book, which would be the next step up when a child is just starting to read independently, just starting to learn to read independently. Um, and then a step up after that, um, early chapter books are a little bit longer. The kid is, is truly reading independently at that point. Um, and then step up from that into middle grade book, which, which typically have kind of protagonists that are in the upper elementary into middle school range. And the step up after that is young adult books with high school age protagonists. So I'll often have people who aren't sure whether this book is really middle grade or is it really YA. And so they need to do a little bit of reading of recent middle grade books and recent young adult books and see, is this the same sort of plot themes, um, character concerns? And of course, the age group of the protagonist, where does this fit best? And where might they need to retool their plot and their character development to fit one category or the other? Or I'll have people who will say, is this, um, you know, what, what is this pick? What is this book for children? Um, and it's, it's a length that might be the same length as say an early chapter book, but they've kind of they're kind of thinking about picture books. I get a lot of folks who, because picture book kind of equates to children's book in their mind. And so you they have to remember that there is a nuance to children's books. It's not just picture books, picture books, picture books until suddenly you are a teenager and it's YA. Um, so picture books are very, very short um, and they're written rather differently. So if you're not sure and you're at that other end of the spectrum, then it's time to start reading those books for younger kids and getting familiar with those categories and their conventions. So um, that's, that's really the starting place. Read, read, read. That's how you get the sense of, is this the right kind of plot? Is the character the right age? Um, is this the right length of book for what's expected? And readability. So readability is another place where people kind of trip up or get really stuck um, because Microsoft Word and other um, other like writing and editing software often have this built-in readability function. It will tell you what it will give your um, your writing a grade level. Like this writing is suitable for grade for say sixth grade um, or third grade or whatever. But people will get really tripped up on that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is a poor indicator of whether a story is appropriate for a certain grade level for kids, because that, that um, grade level indicator, um, even if it were absolutely perfect about vocabulary um, levels, it, it's not, it's averaging things. Um, it's not taking into account the story. It's not taking into account the interest levels. And 
I think it really does underestimate what kids can do. And the fact that they can look up any word they like on a smartphone all the time. Um, so you don't want to have like incredibly dense prose with really difficult words, but a kid can handle probably a higher vocabulary than you think. And this is especially true of picture books. Now, didn't I just say that picture books were very much the younger end of the spectrum? Yes, but picture books are designed to be read with an adult. So you can actually have a few $10 words in there. This is an opportunity for kids to learn some new words from the adult who is reading the book with them and from the context clues of reading the book. So don't be thrown by grade, grade levels um, from some editing software from spell check. Don't be thrown by those. They are not the, a substitute for knowing the category well. They are not a substitute for that human knowledge. So the next point that I'll come to that is, again, sort of like a time to, to go back and read more is that I will sometimes see, and I hate when this happens, um, because it's not news that any editor loves delivering is when I'll get a manuscript that doesn't have really sufficient plot. And this happens much more at the younger end of the spectrum than at the older end of the spectrum. Uh, people are more familiar with, with books at the older end of the spectrum that tend to have more crossover appeal for adults. And so we get that books for older kids are going to have plot and character development, etc. But at the younger end of the spectrum, I sometimes get um, manuscript submissions for picture books that are really just like a nice day at the park. Um, and not every picture book has a plot. Nonfiction picture books are obviously not going to have a plot in the same way pic that fiction ones do. Um, and concept books don't really have a plot. And sometimes a book about like how you like a cooking sort of experience, maybe um, a book about a particular activity isn't is more of a concept book than it is a book than it is a story book. But sometimes I will get books that clearly are intended to tell a story. Um, but that story isn't really a plot. Um, it's just sort of like a nice time with a parent, a nice time with a puppy. Um, and again, like I mentioned, there are concept books where this can kind of very light plot <laughs> books that are light on plot can kind of work when it's a celebration of the activity. Um, for example, I can think of some that I've worked with that were like a celebration of crafting with a grandparents. And so that book didn't have like that same character arc that you would expect to see, a same plot arc that you would expect to see. But things were happening and there was an interest level um, beyond what I'm talking about is like when I just get a book that's just like, it's a lovely day at the park and then they go on the swings and then they come and have a picnic and there's not anything really holding it together. So there's not something holding it together as a as a concept, 
but and making it stand out as a concept, but there's not really a plot either. So it's it's a tricky situation to be in, and it does mean that the author just really needs to go back and read a little bit more. So the other thing that, um, the next thing that I will talk about that I see often is when someone is really inspired to write um, this happens more with picture books. Someone who is inspired to write a picture book and they haven't read a picture book in a very long time. So they write something that is too long for the current market. They write something that's like 2,000 words long and you really kind of want to not be too far over 500 words um, for a story-centered picture book. So it's, they'll write something really long, they'll write something that's kind of old fashioned in other ways. If you ha if you are thinking of writing a picture book, and the last time you really did any reading of picture books were when your kids were little, um, unless you currently have little kids, then it's time to just head to the library and read some more picture books and read things that have been published recently to get a feel for that category. Um, so even if, and, and this is something I sometimes get kind of pushed back on, oh, but this classic book did X. This classic author wrote like this. Um, but that's just not the way things are done anymore. So if you're basing your story on, if you're making your choices based on childhood memories, it's time to update. All right. The next mistake that I sometimes see is kind of talking down to kids or using this, yeah, just using this overly cutesy voice. And kids are, you know, kids can, can suss out when somebody is talking down to them. Kids want respect like every human being. So don't talk down to kids in your picture book. Just Get in their heads and in their level and talk to them the way they want to be talked to. And if you're not really sure if you're doing that, um, and this goes not just for picture books, like the whole gamut, picture books all the way through YA, don't talk down to them. Kids are smart. Teens are smart. Really don't want to be talked down to. If you, again, if you're feeling uncertain about that. It just means it's time to head to the library and do some reading and hooray. That means you get to read fantastic children's and YA books. So the next point to come to is that I will, I'll have children's books where there's a, a child protagonist presented with a complicated problem and the solution to the story is the adult solving the problem. And that is an absolute no in children's books. Children's books need to give children agency. The child needs to be the one to solve the problem. I mean, you wouldn't want this in an adult book if you've been watching this adult protagonist struggle with this problem and, you know, fight through this problem and your whole book, you're wondering how are they going to get through this, how are they going to achieve this goal? And then have somebody 
else come and solve it for them, it wouldn't feel satisfying. And it doesn't feel satisfying for kids either. Make sure the grown-up does not solve the problem. The kid solves the problem. The teen solves the problem. So, and then finally, um, and there are plenty of other things that I'm sure I could talk about in later episodes, but finally for, for this particular episode, I'm going to end on this one. Shying away from big issues or real consequences. Kids books and teen books that pack a punch do not shy away from the big issues. They do not shy away from real consequences in the real world. And this can even be in very playful ways. I'm thinking of John Klassen's um, hat books. The, yeah, where is my hat? I want my hat back. Um, yeah, I want my hat back and this is not my hat. Um, so his two picture books, one about you know, the search for a hat that has been stolen, the other one about the thief of a hat. And what happens to the thief of the hat in the end? Well, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but the, the you know, these fish that are looking for their hats, uh, the big fish might have eaten the little fish at the end. There were some real consequences. And yeah, that's a little little bit dark for a picture book, but you take away that ending and you lose so much punch. Then it come let's talk about a more serious issues. More serious big picture big or big concern issues. Um there you know there are there are picture books all the way through YA that deal with issues like like illness, like racism like sexism, like homophobia. And those are real problems that real children in the world face. So you talk in a way that is, you know, age appropriate and that kids can understand it. Um, But don't back down or hide things or shy away from those big picture real world issues because these books they help them understand the world they're in and help them accept themselves and others and as we live in a world today that is increasingly worrisome for some as someone who is raising kids and who works with children's books um to see schools banning books that deal head-on with racism and call out racism for what it is. To see schools banning books that mention the queer community in any form. And for Florida to be passing laws that don't let queer kids see themselves in the classroom. To don't let kids from queer families even talk about their own families. They can't see anyone represented, anyone like them represented, because it's a suddenly an off-topic world. But those kids are still going to be there. 
kids dealing with these issues are still going to be there. Kids from diverse backgrounds are still going to be there. Queer kids are still going to be there and they need, they need those books. So don't shy away from those issues. And please, please, please don't say that those issues are not kid appropriate because kids live in the real world and they need those books and they need to see other people who are different from them and they need to see the real problems and the way that we can all fight back especially here in the literature community is to keep telling stories of Inclusion that doesn't pull punches. So on that more serious note, those are some of the big things that I see in the Kidlet, um, new Kidlet authors. So again, if you're identifying some of the problems that I have indicated um, in your own writing, it's okay. That's just where you are at this moment. Um, it's just time to do some more reading. And if you're writing a book that you think you're worried that the world is going to reject because they're going to say that it's it's too deep of an issue or they're not going to they're going to censor you because it's queer because it's it's diverse in some other way please persist please please keep writing and telling your story all right that is it for this week um until next week happy writing everybody 